0: Welcome to the Fairview Church podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. we would ask if you would stand now in honor of reading God's word. This morning we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 12 beginning in verse six. Then Samuel said to the people, the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt is a witness. Now present yourselves so I may confront you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. When Jacob went to Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord, And he sent them Moses and Aaron, who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he handed them over to Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, to the Philistines and to the king of Moab. These enemies fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned for we abandoned the Lord and worshiped the Baals and the Asherahs. Now rescue us from the power of our enemies, and we will serve you. So the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel. He rescued you from the power of the enemies around you, and you lived securely. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, no. We must have a king reign over us, even though the Lord your God is your king. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, first, I just want to personally express how thankful I am to you all, to this church, for the incredible generosity and the encouraging words and gifts that you all have shared with myself and uh, all of us here in leadership. We, uh, I am I'm just overwhelmed at God's graciousness and goodness in allowing uh, me to serve, and so thank you so much for all of that. Uh, I love you all, and I, I, I have experienced, uh, even in a new way, this past month, past month you all's love uh, for me, for us. I, I do just want to say, last week at the end of the second service, as all of us were up here. Uh, I am so thankful for the spouses that God has given uh, our leadership here. As I just thought about that, leaving the stage, just there's very much a partnership that is in place. And just so thankful for the faithful, servant-hearted spouses that God has given us. And, And I say this regularly. I'll continue to say it. If it were not for Jill, I would be in jail somewhere. I have no doubt, and you think I'm joking, but I'm not at all. And so I thank God so much for her faithfulness in uh, just serving uh, alongside of me here at Fairview Church. And so it's a, it really is just such a, a blessing and a privilege. Uh, I do want us this morning to, to think about perspective. Now, what is your perspective or what is a perspective perspective? Okay, how you see things. That's good. Now, we think about different perspectives. And so, think about your perspective as an adult versus the perspective of a child. Now, think about the difference between your perspective and that of a dog. Some dog lovers in here now think about the difference between your perspective and that of an ant and I want us to consider that across all of that scale the gaps that were represented there are nothing in comparison with the infinite gap between our perspective and that of God so Recently, the James Webb telescope has been released into space, and it is sending back these unbelievable, if you haven't seen them, you've got to go to NASA and see these images of the universe that are being sent out. I have one of them uh, that has come back recently, which is just incredibly beautiful, and uh, just the vastness of what is represented in these images is remarkable. So our planet, the earth, we feel like it's big, but 1.3 million earths would fit in the sun. Think about that. And the sun is one of 300 billion or more stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Let's take, let that settle And there are approximately 80 billion galaxies in the observable universe. <laughs> so you are really, really small. <laughs> and I am really, really small. And there is so much pride in my heart when I think that I see everything accurately. And I think that my perspective accurately represents the fullness of what God sees and how he perceives reality. And I think about how my perspective has changed, and maybe i 'm guessing yours has has there ever been a, a situation that you 've gone to, gone through where your perspective shifted suddenly sometimes it 's because a terrible thing happens, and suddenly the world becomes a very dangerous place, or sometimes it 's a beautiful thing, like falling in love or having a kid, and, and the world becomes this you know, beautiful, wondrous place. Uh, Many different examples of this, but we see how this shift in perspective happens. And what I want to suggest to you is what is really happening there is that what you are paying attention to changes. So there is endless data that you could take in. And yet you only pay attention to certain aspects of that. And that very much shapes how you see the world and how you engage in the world. It's what you are paying attention to. And this is very much what we see in the Bible as we have this story in Genesis of God in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And what they have been paying attention to at the beginning is God's abundant provision. All of the trees, all of this creation, all that they have with God, Created in the image of God. That is where their attention has gone. And yet, what we see is a serpent enter the equation. And what he does is he shifts their perspective. He shifts where they are focusing their attention off of all of the trees and onto what? One tree. Off of the endless amount of fruit, onto one piece of fruit. Off of the fact that they are made in the image of God and onto the fact that they can take something in order to become like God. Do we see this? Do we see the the massive shift, the, the narrowing at some level, the minimizing, the focus on what is withheld rather than what is given, and this shift in perspective leads them to believe that they are now in need of taking this fruit. That there is a lack that they experience in spite of all of the clear evidence of abundance. And so they need to, to take in order to meet this need. This is very much what we see happening with Israel. And we're going to consider this morning uh, this passage In 1 Samuel, last week we looked a few chapters earlier at 1 Samuel 8. This week we're going to consider the continuing story. But I I want us to keep in mind that perspective aspect. What is it that Israel is paying attention to? And I think we're going to see that the lies of the serpent in the garden and the way that it shifted where Adam and Eve's attention was set and that therefore affected their actions... That we're going to see this replicated with Israel in this passage. But I think we're also going to see it in our lives. And the question that we must consider is, what is it that you are paying attention to? Now I know you're here in this room, and so there's a lot that's happened to get you here. But what is it even here that has your attention? What are you paying attention to? First, I want us to consider from our text, are you paying attention to God's power or our problems? Now, the people of Israel, in this instance, where they are under attack, and and we talked about this. we'll, We'll fill in more of the gaps through our time this morning, but they are under attack And there is this king that's coming against them. And they're ultimately going to decide that they need what? A king themselves. They could have chosen to pay attention. And this is what Samuel is going to to walk them through. They could have chosen to pay attention to a lot of things. They could have chosen to pay attention to God's abundant power and provision. Verse six, the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt. Then in verse eight, he sent them Moses and Aaron who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. So when in the past they had been in a situation like they were in now where they were in need and they were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt, what had God done? He had sent them leaders who delivered them, who rescued them from this power that they were under. God's power and his provision had been seen. I mean, this, the exodus, is the narrative. It's the defining story for Israel. It's what they're reminded of constantly through festivals and and reading of the scriptures. You were enslaved in Egypt, but you have been delivered by God, and now you are free. They could have paid attention to God's righteous acts in the past. Verse 7, all the righteous acts he has done. In his commentary, Walter Brueggemann writes that these righteous acts are Yahweh's characteristic acts of making things right for Israel by way of intervention. These acts have been the substance of the relation between Yahweh and Israel from the beginning. The issue has always been Israel's need and bondage and Yahweh's willingness to rescue and restore. So what does Israel bring to the equation? Need, right? And what does God provide over and over and over? This willingness to rescue, to restore, to redeem his people. They could have paid attention to that, to his willingness to forgive Verse 10: We have sinned, for we abandoned the Lord and worship Baal's and Asherah. So they constantly turned aside from God to worship other gods, false gods, and idols, and God did not give up on them. When they repented, verse 11: So the Lord sent Jerubba, Barak, he sent the judges, he rescued you from the power of the enemies around you, and you lived. Securely. So they could have focused on the fact that God had forgiven them over and over. They kept doing the same thing. You ever feel like this with your children or your spouse or somebody? It's like they keep doing the same stuff over and over and over and over. Drives you what? Crazy, right? That was a lot of emotion over there. But there is this constant willingness on God's behalf when they turn back and repent that He forgives and He provides. And they could have focused on the abundant provision and gracious forgiveness of God. But instead, instead of paying attention to God's power, his provision, right, his righteous acts, the way that he had forgiven over and over, they chose to focus on what was against them. What was against them? Verse 12, but when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, We're going to continue on this, but I want to ask just generally, are you more focused on what is for you or what is against you? You typically focus more attention on on what you have or what is coming against you. They focused on the king of the Ammonites named Nahash. And therefore, secondly, what was against them and what they lacked in comparison what they didn't acknowledge was what they had, which was God, right? So they were marked out as the people of God, and they had God. And yet all of the other nations had what that we saw? Kings. They chose to focus not on what they had, which was God, but what they didn't have that all the other nations had, which was Kings, and they decided that's what we need. And I said, it's just like my kids. When we go to somebody's house, they are perfectly provided for. They have everything that they need until they see that someone else has something they don't have. And materializing a need, right? Now I need this. And, And this is how this operates, right? That there is this comparison that takes place. That out of our pride we see what others have that we don't have And therefore it's what we need Now if they had chosen to focus differently on the first list of things That they could have paid attention to Instead of the second list The king and what was against them And what they lacked in comparison It would have gone differently The outcome would have been different But They chose to pay attention to the second. And I think it's interesting to see that the name King Nahash means serpent king. Where else have we seen a serpent king? In Genesis. We see this unfolding. And the lies of the serpent are the same. You lack. You have Need, and so therefore, if you remember from last week, the way the kingdom of this world operates, you must take. We'll try that again. You have lack, you need, and so therefore you must take. The kingdom of this world, we saw it in John, that was where all this started. We see it in 1 Samuel, it operates on taking it operates on this mentality that is based on the lie of the serpent king and so like israel like our forefathers in genesis we seek something other than god outside of us to give us security and i want to consider john's words in first john this morning for verse 4 chapter 4 verse 4 little children you are from god and you have overcome them for he who is in you god in you is greater than he who is in the world so god in you is greater than anything where out there right in the world And yet those are the things that get our attention. What's outside of us, what we need or what we feel threatens us rather than what is within us. And so John's encouragement is that we place our attention on God rather than what is in the world. Secondly, when we're considering what we are paying attention to, we ask, are we paying attention to God's plans or our preferences? But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, no, we must have a king reign over us, even though the Lord your God is your king. Now, the people of Israel were to stand out from all of the other nations. God chose, and and this is what we see with the Hebrews The least, the lowest, he he chose these people that were nothing, right? And said, out of all the world and all these people who are something, who have kings, who have power, I'm going to choose the nobodies, the nothings, and they are going to stand out from all of these other nations as different, right? Now, let me ask you a question. When you are in middle school, how do you feel about being different, how do you feel about standing out? Right? You, you don't like it. I, re, I remember myself in that kind of situation. And that's kind of what we see. They don't want, that. there's almost this embarrassment. There's, there's this, this unwillingness to stand out. The very thing that God, God wanted them to stand out from the nations for the nations. It was being different that would show the difference of who God was and how he provided for his people. And yet they did not just like us want to be different. They they wanted to be like the other nations and they believed that their perspective was better than God's plans. And so they put their trust, think about this, they chose this was not forced upon them at any level. They chose to put their trust in a king for security and, and, or to reign over them, to rule over them. And what we saw last week is God warned them. He said, that choice that you're going to make is going to have strings attached. And specifically that the king, like all the kings of this world, will what? Take. He will take. Verse 7, Samuel 8, 17. We looked at this last week. He will take. And this is the final thing in a long list of things a tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. They did not listen. God says, This king that you choose, he will take, and you will be enslaved by him. You are choosing this. Do you see this? <laughs> You're choosing it. He's, he's making it very clear. And I think about how I do this sometimes with my kids. Okay, you understand that if you do this, this is what this means, right? Right? We're being completely clear. And yet, they chose to trust their perspective rather than God's plan. Verse 19, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go up before us and fight our battle. So jumping down to verse 22. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. What does he say at the end? You wanted it. It's like my kid who wants to go to school with shorts and a t-shirt when it's like 40 degrees outside. Thank you. Appreciate the engagement over there. Some, some familiarity. You wanted this and guess What? You're going to get it. This is going to happen. Did God work, God's words come true. Who is the king who they chose? Saul, right? How did that go? Not well. But the good news is, the end of that verse, even though the Lord your God is king. So the illusion hang with me here. And we see this even in the way the passage handles your king. <laughs> it's like y- your king, not the actual one, right? That, that You see that definition? The actual king is who? God. The illusion is this guy, All right? So the truth remains the same. God still is king. And the beauty of that. Verse, jumping to 1 Samuel twelve twenty two says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. They, the Israelites, abandoned God, but God did not abandon them. And this is the graciousness of God. And his plans would not be stopped by their failure. Do we see this? That ultimately his purposes, his plans were not thwarted, were not stopped, but would be even accomplished through it. And I think what we need to see here is that Israel didn't see God and his abundant provision. Instead, they focused on what they lacked, what they needed, and they put their trust in the king who ended up taking and it fell apart. And yet it was in that, and I think if we think of our own examples, have you ever trusted in something that completely let you down? So think about that. I know it's painful to do this. But they, you trusted in something, whatever that was, to provide you with security, maybe Bitcoin, I don't know. I know it's coming back. Sorry. How does it feel when something you put your trust in falls apart? Scary? It's painful, right? It is. And and there's no minimizing that pain. And yet what happens is there is this window that opens up right when you you know put your weight onto something and it and it crumbles and you left on the ground the opportunity in that moment is to be awakened <laughs> right to realize that nothing like that thing as well as anything else it it wasn't a good choice to put your trust in that that, that you chose to put your trust in something that didn't hold up, and it, and it, it will show you. Think about this: that you are not a good truster. <laughs> Does that make sense? You not to you chose to put your trust in this thing, right? And and you, based on your perspective, thought it would hold you up, but it but it but it didn't. You're on the ground now, and so that possibly can awaken you to the realization you are not a good truster, right? That you choose to trust in things that don't hold you up. And and here's the deal, nothing and nothing in this world will hold you up. Like that's the, that's the big picture. And God showed them with Saul. When Saul, when they put their weight on Saul and it collapsed, the opportunity of this was God's plan still to be accomplished, his bigger purpose to be accomplished By them realizing, okay, the king that we thought was going to figure he didn't work. And so God is the only one who's trustworthy. Do you see that, how God even can use this? And I know for me, some of the biggest moments of of realization have been me experiencing the pain of some kind of suffering. That's the result of me trusting in something I shouldn't have trusted in. And yet that, I never would have chosen it had I seen the outcome. I wouldn't now necessarily go back through it. But I see how God worked through that to reveal that only he's secure, right? And, and, and that's, that's the bigger purpose, is, is the illusion. The illusion, here's this, it, it, because the illusion that anything in this world is secure. Nothing. Here's it. like job, health, the market, retirement plan, nothing is secure. Do we see this? It can be gone. That's why Paul says, You say, if the Lord wills, <laughs> right? I may not be here next week. That's a, that's a real possibility. Not in this. we're in the? That's the reality. It's vaporous. It it does. It's not secure. It doesn't last. And and so God, in His graciousness, allows us to stumble with the choices that we've made and experience that pain. And yet His grace allows us to pick, be picked up, and set back on the path of trusting in Him with a different perspective. Right and, and here's where we desperately need a different perspective. We need an awareness of God and all that we have in him. And we need to see from his perspective. Uh, I mentioned Sandy Bumbleow last week, for those of you who are here. And, and I love Sandy and thank you for her. One of the things that she said is she said, God says, if you little ants down there could only see things from my perspective up here, you would see how much more is available. That helps me. <laughs> if you little ants down there could just see things from my perspective, could just see my abundance, could just see the the amount of of peace that I want you to live with, the the security, right, that's available in me, then it would be so much different. You see, God is unlike the kings of this world in that he does not take, but he gives. He gave his only son to live the perfect life life of trusting God of obedience to God to die the death that we deserve and to rise from the dead to to free us from the enemy of sin and death so that we can be secure and this is where we see that the offer to us through Jesus is a kind of security think about this that cannot be taken From us. You see this? That's what is on offer. (laughs) Is a security in Christ. Which is the opposite of in this world. That cannot be taken from us. Where nothing ultimately can be taken from us. And I want us to consider as we close. the band can come on up. I want us to consider these words, Paul's words and, and the perspective change that they offer us. And I want to take just a, just a moment of practice of considering what Paul actually tells us to do. A lot of times we read verses in the Bible, but we don't actually put them in the practice. And so I want us to think about this based on all that we've seen of the perspective, the way that from a limited earthly perspective, Israel saw their need and put their security in something that didn't last versus, versus a perspective that was focused attention on God and living in the security of his power and provision. So, so with that background of this text that we've looked at these last two weeks, I want us to hear Paul's words in Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now think about this just for a second. What he's saying. If you've trusted in Christ. You, everybody do this real quick. Say your name, your first name. That's right. One, I'll, I'll count three. Say your name. one, two, three. The person died. Gone. And you, now your body is, I know, I, and hang with me here. I know this is, your body is here in these chairs, right? I get that. Where does Paul say you ultimately are right now? In heaven. This is not how we see the world. Okay, folks, I get it. But this is where we allow God's perspective to actually seep in and actually affect us. Okay, so if, the, if God's word is true, if this is reality... From God's vantage point You Ultimately Are in heaven with Christ Right That's reality That's ultimately real And what can be taken from you That ultimately Belongs to you in Christ Nothing So what what, think about what can the kingdom of this world or the reality, what can they ultimately take from it? Nothing, right? This is a whole different. And so just take, just take a moment, just close your eyes where you are. I want you just to imagine yourself raising up above the ground, raising up above the trees, raising up above the clouds. Set your minds on things above. You're totally secure. Nothing of ultimate importance can be taken from you. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.